that specific race, I was running, you know, for a friend that had to go through a cancer diagnosis. And so I was running it for her too. You know, I knew that I could run. And so I was going to run it for her too. You know, just being grateful. Um, but, you know, I can and I will, you know, and I know it's a gift. I know it's something that I get to do. And, you know, thinking about people that maybe they can't. So that makes me, you know, I know that it's a privilege. And um, I try to remind myself of that. Nobody's forcing me to do it. Um, and so that's, uh, I try to be grateful, grateful for that. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 118 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Sarah Giroto on mindset, learning, and working with her coach to accept I belong in the American Development Corral and crushing a 255 marathon at Chicago and winning her age group and a world marathon major. For every runner out there that has gotten a late start, Sarah's inspiring journey is for you. After moving to the U.S. from Italy, the family ran a 5K together and she was hooked. In her mid-30s, with no background in the sport, she had some remarkable results early on running a 306 debut marathon. But running all her runs at the same tempo, pace, and distance led to some setbacks. After meeting her coach at a race, they started working together, adding structure to her training, and he helped Sarah to work on her mindset. After struggling with imposter syndrome at USATF Masters Championship races, to slowly believing she belonged. This successful partnership has helped Sarah become a four-time USATF each group national champion and set PRs of 18-18 for the 5K, 61 minutes for 10 miles, 124 and a half, and 255 for the marathon, all set in 2022. We discussed adjusting to living in the U.S., where her drive comes from, mindset, imposter syndrome, working through injuries, from her Boston DNF to a sub three, masters running, mantras, gratitude, a stay in the fight moment, being open. So many lessons to unpack in this one. I hope you all enjoy the lesson. Good afternoon, Sarah Gerardo. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you today? Thank you. Good. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Man, you just got back off a plane from like a long distance trip, right? Where you yep, had a little family family vacation. Where did you guys go? Well, family vacation. So we um, went to Dublin first for like three days. Then we flew to Italy for like a little over a week. And then we uh, were in London for a long weekend. So yeah, we have family in Italy. So we try to get there once a year to visit. And, uh, and we also try to use that to see places that we've never seen. So Dublin was a first. London was a return, but our daughter is there for a study abroad. So we um, got to see her for like a couple of, see her, that's a big word, just meet, see her for a few hours here and there <laughs> over the weekend. So, but we love London when we were there, like pre-COVID and we loved it this time too. So Fabulous. With college age kids or post-grad kids, I know what it's all about. My son is about ready to walk in the door on our podcast here. He's uh, going to be 26 and he went to Oxford in London and did a did a semester over there and just had the time of his life. What a great experience. But yeah, you get little blips of time, little minutes, yep. moments, <laughs> a cocktail, maybe a dinner or maybe a breakfast, but uh, you have to appreciate it. Uh, it's a good Take thing, what right? You can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And where, where in Italy did you guys go? Uh, it's, it's Varese. The town is Varese. It's about, you know, it's 40 to 45 minutes from Milan yeah. uh, and about half an hour from Switzerland. So, nice. Yeah, that's where both my husband and I are from there. We grew up there, uh, lived there until about 2001 for me, 2000 for my husband and parents and sisters, everybody's still there. So um, we, we try to go and visit them when we can. Oh, that's nice. I guarantee you they, uh, they're excited when you guys come back home for a visit, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, we try to get everything done in like a week or so. I mean, it used to be a little bit longer, but again, with schedules and stuff, it's never easy to get more than, than that. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, adventures and family travel, they are crazy, but crazy in the good way, right? It's like pack it in as much as you can 
and uh, see as many fun things and people as you want to along the way and just enjoy the experiences. So um, for everybody back home, um, how about you just tell everybody just quickly, like where you grew up, what family life was like as a kid, and uh, maybe like what sports you were involved in as a kid as well. Well, so as I said, you know, I was born in Italy and I grew up there. I lived there until 2001. Um, my mom, my dad, and I have two sisters, two younger sisters. One is four years younger than I am. The other one is 10 years younger. So it was really, I'm more like a halfway through a mom. Um, and then I missed a lot of her uh, teenager years because when I moved here, she was like 16, 17. So after that, it's been sporadic. Um, so lived there, but my, my mom has a big family, huge family. She's one of nine. So lots of cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody's pretty much there still. Um, you know, the farthest that they gone from the main town is like 25 minutes. So I'm the one that went away <laughs> and, uh, on my dad's side, it's a little bit smaller, but still everybody's there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, life in Italy is very different in terms of sports. It's not really like in the United States. So there's no really like school sports. Um, so growing up, you know, my parents wanted me to learn to swim. So I did a little bit of that, but then they couldn't swim. So when we went to the beach, they were like, oh, no, don't go out there. You know, it's a little bit. So I got a little bit afraid and, you know, I'm not a swimmer. You know, I I, I like to think that I can um, float and not sink if I need to, but I don't get me into a water, into a pool or anything like that. Um, and then I, I tried basketball, but it's not really, you know, it wasn't my thing. Um, I played volleyball, um, you know, I guess um, high school, uh, volleyball at a club. And again, there's no like school sports. So everything has to be done after school on private clubs. And um, I, um, I was, you know, relatively good. I enjoyed it. Um, and I, um, tried to keep playing you know the first year of college but again things are different you usually live at home when you go to college and I was going to school in Milan it's about you know an hour commute back and forth every day and so I pretty much um you know I was able to do it the first year and then that was it you know I just you know I stopped because really it was not fitting my schedule you know when you have to get up and get on the train at 6 30 in the morning and maybe you get back at eight you know the last thing you want to do is you know play volleyball even though I I truly really enjoyed it. And I had a few chances to, um, as I was older, you know, when we were living in upstate New York, uh, the YMCA had a pickup league of adults. So we would just put our daughter into like childcare and, and play a little bit. And, you know, I, I enjoyed doing that. And we're like, people are like, oh, do you play high school, uh, you know, college? Well, I'm like, yeah, no, you know, there's nothing like that <laughs> where I grew up. So, <laughs> but that's about it. You know, that's all I did. You know, I consider myself relatively active but no like major sports experiences growing up because of the nature of sports in, in Italy. Um, you just pretty much by high school, everybody you know, kind of stops playing sports because um, the um, time that you spend doing homework there is, is pretty long. You know, you maybe go to school until like about 1 p.m., but then in the afternoon you have, you know, three or four hours of homework every single day. So um, not a lot of, it's, it's a lot different when you can, do it right after school with your friends and not having to worry about transportation and, and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So very different structurally. Um, and, you know, mom is a large family. You have siblings. Anybody in the family, mom, dad, siblings, anybody athletic beside you with your running, anybody in the family with some athletic uh, athletic skills? It's a good question because, again, I think that there probably is something in there, but I don't think it has been discovered because of these, you know, limitations. A couple of my uncles, my mom's younger brothers, you know, are pretty tall. So they play basketball and have like a cousin that's in their mid-20s. And she's, you know, still playing a little bit of basketball, but nothing like major. Um, you know, just she's enjoying doing that. But again, I, I believe that somehow, somewhere, you know, the athletic gene might be there. But not having the opportunity to find out, it's the one thing that, you know, it's like, well, no, no not very really. <laughs> There's a lot of biking in Italy, but it's mainly like for transportation. Uh, not so much you know, or recreation, but uh, getting into, you know, real serious biking is it's something different. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in Italy where, you know, riding is uh, it's a huge pastime and, you know, the tour and everybody knows the tour de France, but the tour, you know, Italia, you know, huge races in Italy um, and the mountains and in the country um, and it's massive uh, following, of course, not as big as football 
or soccer, as we would say here, but certainly huge. I mean, cycling clubs are huge. The gear, the bikes, all of it is super fun. And, you know, sometimes it's a generation behind or even maybe it's cousins you don't even know. You know, somewhere in there, you know, there's probably some athletic genes in there somewhere um, because it's, um, you know, th that's always interesting to me is finding finding that kind of stuff out. Um, you know, where it starts from or, you know, if it doesn't come from somebody in the family, you know, where does it where does it really come from? Yeah, and I truly believe that part of it is, you know, the opportunity right here. You have a lot of opportunities to find out. You can try different sports and you can find out. And there it's not like that. So it's a lot more difficult. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of soccer going on and girls don't play soccer in Italy. It's just for the boys. <laughs> yeah. So, so just much different setup and it's all good. So how did you actually find running? Like at what age, you know, and of course every kid runs, you run in the schoolyard, you run back and forth, you run at the beach. But I mean, like at what age did you actually, you know, start running and realize, Hey, this is something I actually like, and I'm actually have some real talent in. Well, I was a really late life runner. So I basically didn't start running until, you know, my mid 30s, you know, early 30s to mid 30s. I was actually looking up at some dates because, you know, I was thinking about this podcast. And um, uh, when we, again, we moved a little bit in the United States. So before, we're currently now in Philadelphia, but we were in upstate New York before that in Rochester, New York. And, um, you know, we ran a 5K in 2011, the whole family. So my husband and my, and my daughter, we ran a 5K and it was like a family thing. And we did it in 29 minutes. And I was really excited. And that was probably one of my first, you know, times really running. Not very consistently because, you know, it's cold up there in the winter. So there's not a lot of, and, and I know now that you can run in the winter, but back then I didn't know that you can run in the winter. <laughs> so we were skiing a little bit, you know, things like that. But um, so that's my first race. And then, you know, my daughter was, you know, she plays soccer. She still does. And um, so she spent a lot of time on the soccer fields for practices. And so I started running a little bit during her practice just to, you know, not just be there and sitting down. And so basically laps around the soccer field. Um, and this was, you know, in 2011, 2012, uh, nothing major, just trying to get, you know, a little bit of movement exercise in the spring and summer in upstate New York when it's nice. And then um, in, we moved to Philadelphia in 2013. And both my, you know, my husband had like, uh, he was working at university. So he had a, a gym membership. My daughter was playing soccer. She was swimming. So she had her own thing. And I move here and I'm like, I've got nothing because, you know, um, it didn't make sense. We used to have a YMCA membership. It didn't make sense for us to have it anymore. And so, and I don't really like group uh, classes. Um, I'm more of a, you know, I want to, I like to run to with people, but I want to, I like more of a, you know, not a structure. Like I, I tried, you know, spinning and things like that. I really didn't like that. And so I was like, well, you know, running is cheap. I can get a pair of, you know, running shoes and, run you know that's that's how and this was like 2013 I remember you know I just I think I went to Coles and I got a pair of you know running shoes you know just random yeah <laughs> and uh and then again you know I started running a little bit and I was like okay you know I kind of like it it's something I can do you know it gets me outside um gets a little bit of uh, structure to my day because at the time I was still you know they had their own thing they we moved because of my husband's job and I was transitioning so making sure everybody's okay before I get into something and so running became a little bit of my therapy. And then after a little while, after a little while, when you run, it's like, okay, um, I think I need a goal now, right? Because I can't just, you know, it gets boring to just run without a goal. And so um, I signed up in the fall, well, fall, winter uh, 2014 for the half marathon here in Philadelphia. And uh, I remember I waited until the last minute because I'm like, I don't know if I can run a half marathon. And, you know, I really didn't run any like shorter distances before that. And um, and I wanted to run a half marathon in training before doing it, you know, before signing up and before doing it on the day. Because I'm like, you know, I just want to make sure I don't want to waste the money. <laughs> I want to make sure that I can't run it. And uh, and I did. And I ran it. And I ran it in 136. You know, again, it was 2014. So I was 39. So that's my first, like, you know, serious race. And then, again, I, you know, I kept running a little bit, um, not so much maybe during the winter, but then I picked up in the spring and summer. And then again, I ran the half the next, the next year in 2015. Yeah. So that would have been, I think it was, it was on my 40th birthday, uh, 2015. So, and I ran a 133. I'm like, okay, you know, and I ran a half. And at that time, 
uh, the Philadelphia um, um, full and half were on the same day. You would start together and then the full would go on. And I said, well, you know, I did the half. Maybe next year I can do the full. <laughs> that was my <laughs> my thinking. And I was getting like um, um, training plans off, off the web. You know, just really, I knew nothing about running and I was going up with pretty much the same pace every single day. I was just putting miles in. It was making me feel good. And I just did that. <laughs> so, and then again, 2016, I ran my first marathon, full marathon, again, Philadelphia. You know, I didn't want to, you know, I just, it's so, I'm, I'm really blessed that Philadelphia has so many uh, races. So it wasn't really like a matter of spending money except for, you know, the um, signing up for the race. And it was easy to get there. And so I ran my first marathon in 2016 and I ran at 306, which was, I was like, I, I, and I didn't know anything about it. And a couple of people were like, oh, you, you qualified for Boston. I was like, what does that mean? Because I really didn't, you know, I really, didn't, I mean, I, of course I knew what the Boston Marathon was because I remember clearly um, being, you know, um, being in front of the TV when the bombing happened and it was in, in the, uh, upstate New York. And I was like, I was so mad. Because it's like, oh, those people have been training so hard and they cannot even finish. You know, I mean, of course, I was you know, upset because of the bombing itself. But then I got that feeling of like all that training that I must have done. And, you know, this is not right. You know, there's something not right. And so, but at any game, you know, that's uh, that was my first marathon. And then, you know, I caught a little bit of the bug of, of running. Um, and so I was like, I did that in, in 2017. But at that, at that point, things started to catch up on me in terms of training. Because 2017 is, um, I I had a big goal. I'm like, maybe I can go sub three. Um, but again, doing it with training off of the of the internet didn't really work. So I ended up doing a 320, which still, you know, it's a pretty good time. But I remember breaking down towards towards the end, and um, and then at that point, I knew I was gonna run Boston in 2018. Um, I was like, okay, you know, it, it's all okay. You know, I'll just train for Boston and everything is going to be okay. But I, I overtrained there. I really overtrained, again, not knowing anything, doing it on my own. I was basically running every run as a tempo run. And, you know, that really broke my my body down. And um, when I got to Boston 2018, of course, you know, that, that was the year of the horrible weather. <laughs> and I was not prepared because, again, I was, I, I pretty much, um, I think I got, Running came to me so fast that I was not ready mentally and physically to deal with the speed that I was running at. So I had no idea what to wear on a day like that. You know, I wore long pants, long leggings that were cut. And so, you know, I got wet and I got hypothermia and I had to DNF at mile 10 because you know, I mean I was shaking. I was shaking. I was like, but it's one of those things where, you know, you Again, I, I I think about it in terms of you know how um, it just got to me, and I was almost not prepared for it, you know, and I didn't know what it what it would take to run at that level. So, um, and and that's you know to, at the end of 2017, the end of twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen is when actually then I um, met you know my my current coach, and um, and then after that horrible <laughs> 2018 Boston Marathon, you know, that's when I really, you know, started uh, working with a coach uh, and uh, things changed. Well, that's great background. Um, and basically you were running on your own. I mean, you know, taking information from the internet, you know, yep. pulling down coaching <laughs> plans, you know, like. Don't suggest that. You know, yeah, I don't suggest it either. You know, couch, couch to 5K, couch yeah. to marathon, well, whatever. It's almost um, couch to marathon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I believe me, I, Sarah, I've had people on the show who've uh, followed similar journeys. No one's the same. Everyone's on their own path, if you will. Um, that's pretty amazing, like how quickly you progressed, you know, really just totally winging it for lack of a better term, because, um, you know, that's what, it, that's where we run into problems when every runs the same pace, every runs the same distance, you know, we're running on the same route all the time. Eventually it's going to break something down. You know, we're going to get worn down. We're going to get injured because we're not doing any, any hard, easy stuff. 
we're not giving our body a chance to truly recover. And we're not having a real split between when we do run at a harder effort, like you said, a tempo, if everything almost is like a tempo. And at that point, you don't even really know your paces. You haven't even done a yeah. whole lot of races. You did a 5K with your whole family. You did a couple of other races. You ran some really great halves considering how new you were. And then an amazing debut marathon too. Um, but in a weird way, having uh, tough weather in Boston, which I called it the perfect storm, that race, um, maybe that was the best thing to happen to you because it ended up you know, making, pushing you in a direction to get a coach um, that you're working with. And, um, obviously you've had some amazing success, you know, kind of since then. So that will be fun to kind of talk through that a little bit. So that's, you know, 20, that's 2018 is the monsoon. Um, and as far as what to wear, Hey man, I've been running 30 years. No one knew what to wear on that day. Trust me. And if anyone tells you they knew what to wear, they're full of shit. I can tell you, Sarah, no one knew what to wear because yeah. it's either, you know, they had, you know, multiple layers of gloves on or they had surgical caps on. And I mean, people literally were winging it because no one has ever run in conditions like that for a whole marathon. And I promise you, I doubt anyone ever will again. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's just one of those things, you know, and, um, you know, it, and you learn from it. So talk to us about after you do hire your coach, how did things uh, change for you, you know, after that, you know, in terms of how you were approaching your running? Well, so I met my coach by chance, but actually, you know, he's the one that saw something in me that I didn't know I had. Um, so we met by chance at 2017, you know, the spring. I was I wanted to run Broad Street and I didn't get into the lottery. And so I ran another local 10 miler and he was there. It was like, you know, at the finish was like, oh, do you, do you run for a club? And I said, no. I mean, again, I was really like, I said, I'm just running. <laughs> I'm just running. And so he gave me, you know, and I'm, he's like, I'm in a club. You know, at the time he wasn't coaching yet. So, um, so we started, you know, um, you know, I, I started to meet um, a few people in the running community, but not much. And then, um, you know, 2018, towards the end of 2018, he, you know, he was um, getting certified coaching. And so, um, it was the one that said, like, you know, I, I think you, you know, you have talent there. Um, so if you'd like to, you know, we can work together. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I just really a lot of trust because I really didn't know, you know, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know anything about, you know, training plans. I didn't know anything about how do you prepare for different races and mileage or, you know, or, or anything like that. And so, pretty much 2018 is when we, you know, the fall of 2018. So it's almost like five years that we've been working together. And so he got me into like a really bad situation state because I was, you know, overtrained, you know, and I was weak. I had, was doing any, no strength training, nothing like that. Um, I was barely running, you know, as I said, you know, when I was training by myself, I was going out at seven minutes per mile all the time. I was barely running nine minutes per mile, nine, nine minute miles. You know, it was really, I was like, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, go back to, to that. And so I was like, oh, I just got a glimpse of what could have been, right? <laughs> no, nothing. And so, but then we started working together. And um, so building, building back, pretty much building back my body. And um, and at that point, it felt like, okay, you know, this is great because I don't need to worry about what I'm running the next day. Is just give me the plan and I just follow, right? And, um, um, and so um, I did end up running uh, Boston um, 2019. And that was, you know, I was still coming back from that overtraining. So my goal there was to finish. I wanted to finish. I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to be there and I wanted to show my family that I could do it. And so um, I remember, you know, running by the 10 um, mile mark where I had to drop out and just be grateful. And I just high fived so many little kids and, and all of that, just, you know, just trying to, to enjoy that. And by the way, a uh, big thank you to the volunteers that were out there on 2018 at that mile 10, uh, because I, you know, they just warmed me up. They gave me like warm broth or whatever. They gave me a sweatshirt. They gave me because I was just, you know, I just couldn't have done it without them. But anyway, so I, I, I run by the 10, um, 10 mile mark. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it, you know, and I just finished Boston. I ran at 3.42. I didn't, I, you know, I was off the qualifying time by two minutes, but at that point I, I didn't care. You know, I was just, I was just happy. I was just happy that I they finished another marathon. And, um, and, and again, you know, I was like, you know, I was still doubting a little bit. I'm like, I wonder if I ever get faster than the 306, 
And and I also was like a little bit upset because I'm like, I ran that 306 and I didn't even know what it meant. And now here I am, you know, with a 342. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm talking about times not because, and I know that for some people, those are, you know, big goals, you know. Um, so I don't want to anybody to think that I'm just discounting, you know, any of those times. But it's just, you know, that's how it, it's almost like it was almost like a, you know, for me, it was like a whirlwind. You know, I, I got into something without knowing uh, what that was. But anyway, so, you know, 2019, he got me to finish that Boston. And then I was like, okay, now we're going to have to, you know, come up with other goals and, and see what you can do. And um, I'm talking about marathons because, you know, but I started running other distances as well. I started getting into, you know, the local USATF uh, Grand Prix, you know, the Mid-Atlantic. And so I started running, you know, more 5Ks and other distances as well. Um, but in 2019, in the December 2019, I ran the Rehoboth uh, Marathon and I ran a 304. So at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm back. You know, I, I know that I can. And, and this is all thanks to, to my coach because I, you know, again, he, he saw something and he, and he didn't tell me until a few months later, but it's like, when you ran that 304, I knew you could run faster. So that's when I started planning, when he started planning, you know, the next few years. So, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, and so it's just, um, I, you know, I, I ran, you know, I started running the 8Ks, I started running 5Ks, I started running, you know, again, I, more like the local USATF, Mid-Atlantic Grand Prix. And so, and then I started looking, learning what uh, age-graded uh, times mean. And so I started getting from the high 70s into like an 80. I was like, oh, I, I like that. That's good. You know, all those things slowly. Um, so um it's um I, I truly you know I would not be where I am without you know the working working with my coach um and um he's just um so um you know he works mainly with masters runners and he just is he just does everything you know base it's so custom you know I just I cannot say enough of how um how much I appreciate you know all the all the support and, you know, his support was also very um, important, you know, this year, you know, after my injury and all that, but, um, you know, and, and it started, you know, I, I needed to, to start to work, not just on my um, physical, um, you know, strength and, you know, and, you know, uh, training, but it's uh, the mental aspect that uh, took probably longer and it was harder for me um, because I had to, you know, I found a, a side of myself that I didn't know I had, you know, with the runner. You know, a lot of people ran in high school and they're running college and then, you know, they get back to it, right? But for me, it's something completely new. I just didn't know um, that I was a runner. And so it's like, it's almost like my body was ready for it, but my head wasn't. <laughs> so it's for so long, I felt like I didn't belong <laughs> that, that start line. Yeah, um, that that makes sense. Can I can I stop you for one minute? I want to sure, go. I yeah. want to go back because I think it's a really important point that you made. Um, for anybody who's ever not been able to finish a race, and sometimes it has nothing to do with the horrible weather like Boston did uh, in 2018. It can just be an injury. It can be sickness on a day. It can be a myriad of things, or it can be that we just weren't able to handle it mentally. We weren't ready to make it to actually finish a marathon. We weren't prepared enough. And so maybe we were prepared enough, but mentally we weren't prepared enough. So we step off a course, everyone somewhere out there. Um, you know, I've coming up on my 75th marathon. I've only dropped out of one. Um, but I think almost everyone has a story somewhere where they ha have had to drop out. And what I loved about you re recanting that whole experience is just the whole metaphor of getting past the 10 mile mark because you remember it so clearly it's, it's can be a scar like that can never be, uh, healed, or it can be something where you just say, not this time. Um, this is what it's about. It's about finishing. And, you know, I can see in your face, just you were reliving it. You know, I could feel, you know, the emotion in you when you were discussing it because that day, is as important as your 306 and then your 304. And then eventually you bring it down to 255 where your current PR is. But I just know um, 
it isn't always about our fastest times, the ones that have the most meaning. So there's anybody listening, you may have dropped out. You you may have not had a chance to finish a marathon like Sarah yet, or maybe you dropped out of an important race like New York or some other place that meant a lot to you, but you'll get another swing. You'll get another chance. And when you do, um, I think her approach that day, Sarah's approach and discussing it with her coach, um, she wasn't all the way back from injury and other things. So she wasn't in the same state she is now. Um, you know, focusing on finishing the race was the single most important thing and running with gratitude and enjoying that experience. Um, I guarantee you that that Boston means as much to you as your PR or some of your other races, right? It does. You know, that one and um, the other race there where I might, if I look at the race itself, it's probably my one of my worst races, but it's the one that was a pivotal point in uh, my mental, you know, working on my mental strength is in 20, okay, so let me see, 2021, the first national um, master's championship that I ran, the 12K. Um, and I I walked, you know, I mean, not the whole thing, but, you know, I started, I went out too fast. Um, and at some point I had to walk and I was like, you know, I never walked in the race and here I am at my first national master's championship and I'm walking. And so when I finished, you know, I still, you know, I came in second in my age group, so I still got a medal, but I was like, I, 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 it's almost like I didn't deserve it, you know, but then I was like, okay, that's what I, and again, my coach helped me a lot to, to, you know, work on that side, but it's almost like, what do I do with it? Right. Do I, um, just. Am I just mad at myself because I went out too fast and I wasn't ready? Because it's the first time that you run with that um, age group on your back, right? And so people want to beat you. You want to beat people. So it's something that I've never done before. And um, and so that's when, you know, after that, that's when we really seriously started working on, you know, the mental aspect. It's like, okay, it's like, it's like you belong. You know, and so we need to we need to get your head, you know, <laughs> to where your body is, and and make sure that that the next time you step on, um, on national championship line, um, you you're ready mentally more than you know you, you know you're ready physically. You were ready physically, but it's the the idea of being with there with people that have been doing that for years. And here I am, right? You know, almost by by mistake, or you know, not by mistake, right? It's not the right word, um, but uh, almost by it was just almost like a something that happened, um, you know, when I started running. Um, and it's like, um, it, 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 it's almost like you feel like an imposter, you know, the imposter syndrome that's really real. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, people that, you know, they, they dress in a certain way and they act in a certain way and they know how to step on that step line. It's a lot to learn for somebody that's old or older than, than when they learned, you know. Yeah, but what a, what a great experience for you, though. I mean, these are, this is how we learn. I mean, it was your first uh, national championship race, you know, first major USATF championship race. You got a bib on your back. Um, I run in the Masters Marathon World Champs. It, it is a very different experience, and it's the best runners from around the world, or in this case, the best from the U.S., um, for meets that, you know, this particular one that you were doing. And it can happen to anyone. Um, but so you learn from it. Um, and it's, you chalk it up and, and then, you know, you don't just learn you and your coach learn together. Right. So he understands like you're physically more ahead at this point than maybe you are up here. And so he knows this is an area that he needs to help you work on. Cause at the end of the day, the runner has to do that work. But when we have a coach who believes in us, who's really supportive and is really looking out at your whole, uh, let's say your whole running practice, if you will. That's the coaches you hold on to. That's the ones you keep because they know where you need, you know, to work. And when you put this stuff into practice, look at look at how the results keep continuing to come for you, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, then, the, you know, I then I ran it again in 2022 and I was like, okay, this is my, not my revenge, but, you know, yeah. I, I want to run it, you know, like, like I, I deserve to run that and I, that this race deserves to be run. So, but yeah, last year, um, it was, it was a very different experience. So yeah, all the hard work is, it was, you know, coming together and paying off. Yeah. And look, you have, um, just looking at your bio before you came on, you're a four-time USATF age group national champ. That's seriously impressive. I mean, particularly even more so for someone who started running in their, 
in their mid to late 30s. So, you know, you don't have that high school and collegiate experience where you were a runner and you went away from it and you came back to it. So it's all new. It's all learning. But four-time, you know, champion is, is amazing. I mean, that's impressive, impressive stuff. So I'll just read your personal best from 2022. Um, so the runners that are listening will have some context. Your 5K was 1818. Your 10 mile was 6101. Your half is 124 and your marathon was 255. So that's four amazing, you know, like age group records for you that are like super, super impressive. We can't talk talk about them all. Maybe just pick one, um, like a key race highlight. We've already talked about a bunch of races, but just one it doesn't have to be your fastest race, like one that's meaningful and why, you know, something about that race that makes it meaningful and something you could share about it, something you learn from it. Well, I guess, you know, if you look at the times, you know, Chicago was my fastest, you know, to 55 and I was first in my age group. So that's pretty, pretty cool. But I think that uh, my, the one like, like from last year that, you know, it's not the PR but it's breaking three in Boston at 2.59 or nine, because that was something that was on my radar for a little bit. I tried in 2021, I ran grandma's, you know, it was one of, you know, still the spring of 2021, there were many races and I ran at 3.053. So it was, I knew at that point I was, but you know what? At that point I knew I had it. I knew I could do it. You know, I broke down the last few miles, um, but that, that was almost like, a push because I, I know I can. Now I know I can. It's like, what, two seconds per mile, which, you know, before I was a runner, when I, you know, if I had seen something like that, I would be like, oh, come on, what's for 53 seconds, you know, over 26.2, but now I know what it can be. But then, you know, I was like, oh, I know I can do it. And so I was supposed to run Chicago in, um, in the fall of 2021. And, um, but then I had a small injury over the summer and we got to, you know, it was like the buildup would not have been good. So I deferred to 2022, but then I ran, you know, Boston in, in 2022. And for me, breaking three in Boston, of course, you know, the one thing is that Boston is a course that you have to respect. And so again, my coach was really great in terms of pacing um, and, uh, you know, getting the training in with those hills and all of that and uphills and downhills and, and all of that. Uh, but it also meant a lot because, again, I DNF'd my first Boston. And so breaking three in Boston, um, with you know, and again, with a course, it's not easy. It's not an easy course. And uh, uh, so that's probably one of my favorite uh, races. And at that point, you know, I was like, I, I did it. You know, even though when I crossed the finish line, you know, you don't know how far off you are from the start, you know. And so I remember, you know, my my watch said that I did it. I remember texting my family, I was like, what are the official results? Did I did I get it? Did I get it? And um, and then it was my daughter, she was in, you know, she's in college in Mississippi. And so she was like texting me, You got it, mom, you got it. And so that was just it was just great. It was just great. So and again, you know, being there, thinking about, you know, my you know, experiences, you know, not finishing, running at 3.42 and then running at 2.59, you know, that was just amazing, you know, one of the one of the best things. And then two weeks later, I ran Broad Street and I was like, I, I don't know, you know, what I have in my legs. And again, I ran at um, a very, very good uh, time at PR. And that was another, you know, I think that one was an age grading of 86. And I was like, oh, you know, that's just awesome. That's just awesome. So... Super, super impressive for everybody at home that doesn't understand age grading. Um, anything over 80 is national class as a master's runner and anything over 90 is world class. So um, anything that touches 80 and above is amazing. And 86 is pushing towards 90. Um, super impressive. Um, really, really impressive. Um, and absolutely to break three for the first time in Boston um, where you had to DNF and then you came back just to finish. Not really, that wasn't your goal, but that was the real goal when you really think about it, 342. Um, so that's, uh, that's just an awesome comeback story for sure, man. That's, uh, the theme, theme of this show and the motto of the show, stay in the fight. That's stay in the fight city right there. And, um, you know, like late in Boston, it's really a grind. Um, you know, obviously it's a lot faster early, and, you know, the hard stuff really comes late and it comes at you in waves, you know, kind of just rolling, 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 up, rolling, rolling. But when you bomb down Cleveland Circle, you know, after Boston College and you kind of swing around to the left there, um, if you're feeling good there, you can still 
rip it and you can still really produce a great finish, a late finish if you have it in your legs. And if you don't, man, it can seem like yeah. the Sitco sign's <laughs> yeah. never going to come. Like, where is that <laughs> stupid fucking sign? Like, where is it? It's never coming. So um, at what point, because the math is, you know, you were only under by 50 seconds, 51 seconds. So it's not a lot of space in there, not very much at all. At what point did you realize like, hey, I have it? Or did you not even realize, did you not even realize till you made the left onto Boylston and was like, okay, I, I can get there before it turns three. I mean, what, what was that like? Well, you know, I had a pace band that my coach gave me and it was pretty detailed in terms of, you know, the downhill miles at the start and the middle miles that are more like flat and all of that. So I knew that I was pretty much on pace. But, you know, when you're towards the end, you start, you know, <laughs> the math <laughs> going all over and your watch is not always accurate. And so I was 90% sure I had it, you know, when I get into that last mile. But, you know, actually... You know, I, I I needed the confirmation, you know, yeah. probably a good 20 minutes later when I really, really, but, you know, having that pace band really made me confident that if I kept those uh, splits that I was supposed to, I was going to get it. Uh, but yeah. But the joy of, you know, like, even if it is delayed a little bit, you yeah. know, your daughter, the people messaging you from the family, it's like a shared, they share with, they share it with you because they know how important it is to you. Um, so that is just super cool. And, uh, we're blessed today with the apps and stuff. When I oh, yeah. <laughs> was running my first Boston, which was in 1995 and 1996, we didn't have any of this shit. I mean, we didn't have anything. I mean, you know, even the race photographers that are obviously amazing that are all over the course. I mean, yeah, they were out there, but they were in a handful of spots, you know, like the half in different places. And, you know, they were still there. They were hanging up on the scaffolding, but there weren't that many. And then there was results were in like the newspaper, you know, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, like the <laughs> next day, the next day, it wasn't like we go onto the app and we could figure out like, what was our actual finish time? What was our pace? What was our age group? I mean, maybe not the age group right away. Sometimes that takes a yeah. little, little longer in a race like Boston or um, Chicago and you're, you're 255 in Chicago first age group. That's super impressive because first age group in a world marathon major, that is incredibly impressive. I mean, the competition level is so fierce. It's international. Chicago's known for uh, it being one of the fastest courses around. So you're going to get runners uh, from all around the world that are going there to run their best times. And that includes master's runners, non-master's runners, and everything in between. So to get first age group there, that's, that's seriously impressive, man. Congrats on that. Thank you. And it was really like the other thing that I was like, you know, you really have to trust because, you know, after a couple of years of trying to break three, when my coach gave me the pace band, I was like, it's almost like incredible, right? I mean, I, I break three for the first time in Boston and then here I am. And actually the pace band was supposed to be closer to a 252, but the last, you know, the last six miles were really hard. But, you know, it's like, it's almost like I, I cannot believe that I can do that, but I know that I can because the workouts were really, really, you know, I, I was on pace, you know, I had a couple... The only thing is a couple of weeks before the race, I had a little bit of a niggle. And so I had to, you know, um, for a couple of workouts, I had to stop. And so I didn't really get into Chicago. I, I remember telling my husband, I'm like, um, maybe I'm not going to even finish today because I didn't know if that, you know, niggle was going to come back or not. And so I really, really, truly tried to enjoy every single mile there, you know, even there trying to high five and all that because like, I'm here. I might as well, you know, take take it all in. And if I don't finish I don't finish, but it actually, you know, my coach knew it. He was like, yeah, I know you're going to finish, but it's, you know, when you, when you have you, when your whole training cycle goes well, and then the, you know, two weeks before you feel something that's really, you know, it's really hard to get into <laughs> the, 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 to the start line. And I was, I was the other thing that there that was really amazing is that I was in the American development group. And that was, you know, I, you starting right after the elites is right. Something like, and I, I almost was grateful that I had to defer from the year before Chicago because I don't think I would have been ready mentally to be in that place, you know, a year um, early. You know, I needed that year to work on, you know, belonging and to work on, you know, the mental aspect to really, you know, understand what that meant and to take it all in. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. Um, and you talked about the last six miles being a struggle. Um 
what did you use on the self-talk side or mantras? Do you have anything written down on your arm or your hand or anything for, you know, when things get tough out there that you try to lean on? Because you can, people can use different things for different races. I mean, I have one because it's the show motto. It's my motto. But so what? I mean, in every race you can change, you know, you can be like feeling something different. Um, so did you have any, like, again, like self-talk or mantras that you try to use for the last six miles when you said it was a struggle? Well, you know, it's, I have my, you know, I can and I will, you know, um, and um, I belong. And that specific race um, was, I was running, you know, for a friend that had to go through, you know, um, a cancer diagnosis. And so I was running it for her too. You know, I knew that I could run. And so I was going to run it for her too. So I was trying to, to get that. And, uh, you know, just being grateful. Um, but, you know, I can and I will, you know, and I know it's a gift. I know it's something that I get to do. Um, and, um, and you know, thinking about people that maybe they can't or, you know, um, so that makes me, you know, I know that it's a privilege and um, I try to remind myself of that. Nobody's forcing me to do it. Um, and so that's, uh, I try to be grateful, grateful for that. That's great perspective. And you know what, that is probably what's been a big part of helping you on the mindset side of making you feel you belong because it's not easy to step into the American development corral. Um, it's not easy to step into a master's national championship race or a world championship race. Like you said, with a bib on your back, I don't think there's a person out there. And if they are, they're probably lying. Um, that hasn't looked around and said, oh shit, like, what am I doing here? Like, am yeah. <laughs> I supposed to be here? Like, do I really belong here? Am I okay here? So at some point, you know, these formative experiences, walking some in a 12K, not being able to finish Boston, each one of these things that just made you stronger along the way because you learn from them as opposed to, you know, people that aren't open-minded enough to say, okay, what happened here? Like, was this really, was I injured? Was I physically hurt? Or was I really just not mentally prepared for what was in front of me? So it sounds to me like you've learned a lot from each of those experiences and applied it, um, you know, together with uh, your coach, who's obviously a huge believer in what you can do. Yeah, he is. But sometimes he believes more than I do. So I just need to trust. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? We need people like that, whether it's our husband, our our wife. Um, it could be a sibling, a teammate that we train with. We need people like that in our corner because, um, you know, at the end of the day, we know this, Sarah, how many people really care how fast you run or how fast I run? There's really not that many people <laughs> yeah. that care. We feel like there's yeah. a lot more people that do, but they don't really yeah. care. I mean, sure, they care about you as the person. They care about me. Um, they care about our friends who run and race. But it, it, look, we're, we're a, a crazy group of people, man. That's it. Yeah. We want to <laughs> yeah, go as fast as we can. We want to figure out how to do it. Um, and we're going to employ every method known to mankind and womankind um, to make it happen. And, you know, it's it's a journey. It's a, it's a fun experience. And, um, you know, so for me, one of the things I always feel, it just, it's so um, apparent with all the runners that I have on the show is their drive and their, their spirit is just strong, man. They have the will, they have the force. In Italian, it's la forza del destino, the force, <laughs> yeah. right? So you have it. Like I could feel it. You know, you have that energy. So like, um, where do you think it comes from in you, your drive and your energy, your passion? Uh, you know what? The thing is, I was thinking about that. I don't really know because <laughs> I don't think that people that know me outside of running see me as, I mean, I think it's a whole... Well, if if you think about it, it's probably like my whole life, you know, the building up. And, you know, I, I moved to the United States and, um, you know, I I knew a little bit of English, but, you know, it's basically that's what you learn in middle school and high school. And, you know, I moved to Texas and they speak with an accent that I don't understand anything. Right. So it's and then I, you know, again, my husband and, um, you know, and then I have a daughter and, you know, I was here for, you know, maybe a year and a half and then she was born. And so trying to figure out to navigate things that I didn't know, uh, including language, because, you know, when you I, I moved to go to graduate school and so you start learning English in the context of going to school and that and then you go to the pediatrician and you need to find the right words because you don't know how to explain that, you know, I, I knew what to say it in Italian, but, you know, finding the right word in English, nobody taught me those things in English, right? And so a lot of things that at the time I just felt like, you know, I needed to do them to survive pretty much. But if I look at it in hindsight, maybe that's what has built up 
to this, you know, in terms of, you know, being on our own and, you know, raising a daughter and going to school and working, you know, um, and, you know, showing that we could do it on our own. You know, I came here with two suitcases. And of course, you know, a lot of, uh, I'm grateful for, you know, the opportunity or, or the, the education that they have and the fact that we could build what we have now. But it's, and, and I came here and I wanted to not to rely on anybody back home because, you know, it's a choice that I made. And, and at the time, you know, when I came here, you know, my now husband, you know, he, he made the choice and then I followed and, and all of that. And so it's almost like I need to show that I can do it. And, um, and it was not, again, it was not really conscious all the time, but, you know, you, you're in there and, and you do it. And so I think that that's all that built up to, you know, what I can do now when I'm running. You know, sometimes, you know, there was really no choice. You know, I had no one to fall back on, you know, if I needed to get my assignments done, you know, I needed to do it late at night or when my daughter was sleeping or, you know, and we were taking turns because we didn't want her to go to daycare right away, you know, stuff like that. So we we relied on our, you know, on ourselves. And, you know, I think I got that more, more a little bit more de- determination because of that. So it all built up to allowing me to be who I am now on that start line. Because if you if, if I think about me as competitive, I'm like, no, I'm not competitive. <laughs> but now I'm like, well, you know, I know how to, I guess I know how to um, to stay in it, you know, and not give up because I didn't want to fail, <laughs> you know, after I moved here. <laughs> they want to show that we couldn't do it. We, we, I was like, we can do it. And so... Um, that's probably where it comes from. Hey, those experiences forged your resilience for sure. Um, they make you tougher. Um, they make you think on your feet. Um, there's no manual for this. If you drop any no. <laughs> anybody from the U.S. into another country, you put them in Tokyo or France or Italy or Germany or anywhere else, and and uh, they're going to be in the same situation, the same struggles. They're going to be like, what do I do? Where's my net? I got nothing yeah. to hold on to here. Yeah, Who's going to help no me? Net. Yeah, and you know, the truth is for all of the tools we have today, Google Translate and all, so much is lost between uh, things don't translate really well. Certain languages are better, but Japanese, I just know haven't been there four or five times. It just it just does not. It, it's such an ambival- ambivalent way um, of speaking. It's not, you know, Italian is way more forceful, you know, like it's more like, you know, direct, like there, it's almost very much like their culture is like, they don't want to really say yes or no. They don't want to tell you to do something or not. It's more just like, they will do it. They will follow. Um, so the language, when it's translated, it can be like, okay, am I supposed to do this or am I not supposed to do this? I'm not really sure. And it just fits with the way things are. So these experiences, man, they shape you. They make you more resilient. Um, how about a stay in the fight moment? You know, it's the show motto. You know, I got the sign right behind me there. Um, and that doesn't have to apply to running. It could be something in life, some some really tough challenge you've overcome, a tough obstacle. And how And how did you make it through? Well, I guess, you know, I talked a little bit about, you know, the moving and all that, but if I think about it more recently, it was my injury, you know, in, you know, in, in February. So that was, you know, it was a moment where I really needed to, again, trust and advocate for myself and, and figure out, you know, and decide that I still wanted to do this. And again, it was in hindsight, it was a lot better than what could have been, um, but uh, it, it came after a year where I had a great year last year, right? And so I had a lot of goals for this year and it started well and then this happens. And um, and then you you think that you doubt it. You're like, am I going to be ever be able to run at the level that I was? And I still don't know because I'm still, you know, <laughs> I re- recently graduated for my recovery program. And so I'm like st- just starting back with some speed workouts and track workouts. But I, I know that's in there. I, I believe that it's in there. Um, but um, when you're in it, you only see what you cannot do. You don't see, you know, it's almost like, you know, you're focused on the moment and then you have to, because, you know, you have to do your PT, you have to, you know, do what you need in that moment. But at the same time, you start looking at the goals that you had for the year and you know that those are gone, right? And so it's like, um, it's again, it's a lot of mental. Um, so again, you know, support from, you know, my husband and my coach and both on the physical aspect on doing things, but on the mental aspects of, you know, how do you come back from it stronger, not just, 
you know, um, and, and don't give up because, you know, one thing you say, I am, I'm old, you know, who knows? <laughs> um, so, but, you know, the, the main, um, so I, basically what happened is that I was at the start line of the 5K, the um, USATF National Championship in Atlanta, the 5K, and um, the, the start was pretty crowded. And a guy in front of me, you know, they, they, the race starts and within like a few meters, um, you know, a few feet, I guess, uh, the guy in front of me falls, trips and falls. And I, I'm able to jump over him, but he pushes somebody else's down. And so at that point, I, I'm caught up into the whole thing and I go down on my right knee. And um, I, I, you know, I get up, I assess, you know, this is all like I, you know, I, I, I'm talking about it. It's like minutes, but it's only a matter of seconds. I'm like, okay, can I run? And I'm like, because I didn't come here not to run and not to race. And so I just, I'm like, okay, my, my hands are okay. My, I don't see any, any bleeding. I don't feel any sharp pain. Because one of the things that I remember is like my coach always says, if it's sharp, you stop. If it's dull, you know, you can, you know, you know let's see what happens. And it's like, okay, I'm going to get up and I start running. Um, and I'm like, if at any point I feel like, you know, it's sharp pain, I'm going to stop. And at, this, at the same time, I'm thinking it's only a 5K, right? So I'm not trying to run, you know, a marathon on this. And um, I, so I, I'm able to finish the, the race and um, I, I end up still winning my age group. Um, I cannot remember overall women what I, I came in. And, and it was, you know, a decent time, you know, considering that I probably lost like 10 or 15 seconds in the whole thing, trying to assess and, and all of that. Um, and then, of course, you know, I ice it and, you know, it feels like a little bit swollen and but, you know, nothing that was really worrying me. And again, this is my right knee. And then um, after um, um, after the race, we flew to um, Jackson, Mississippi, because my daughter's birthday is like March 1st. And so we're like, well, this was the end of February. We just went to see her for the weekend. It's a, it's an easy flight from Atlanta. And um, but the next day I was supposed to run 16 miles because I was training for Boston. I was supposed to run Boston. And, um, you know, my knee was a little bit stiff, but, you know, I I'm like, let me try to walk on it. You know, let me try to walk on the treadmill. And the moment I step off the treadmill after just walking a little bit, I feel it a little bit unstable. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm not taking any chances. And so. And of course, I text my coach and he's like, yeah, no, <laughs> just, you know, shut everything down. And as soon as make, an, you know, it was a Sunday. So it's like tomorrow call. I was coming back on Tuesday, and so I was like, called and tried to make an appointment to go see the uh, an orthopedic doctor. And you know, we're not going to do anything until you know it clears you or, she, or the doctor clears you. And so when I come back, I'm I'm lucky enough that Philadelphia is amazing, has an amazing you know hug network. And so I was able to get to the doctor by the Thursday. He looks at my knee, just moves it around. He's like, oh, you know, it feels it feels fine, it feels stable. Um, but you know, you, since you're running so much and you're training for a marathon, let's just get an MRI just in case, you know, I'm like, okay. So try to get the MRI as quickly as possible. And because, you know, I'm like, I don't want to miss any like training days or, you know, it was so hard not to do anything until I knew that. And then, um, I'm able to get the MRI pretty quickly and, uh, you know, I scheduled the follow-up appointment with the doctor and the night before I go on and I, and, and again, the doctor told me it feels pretty stable. So I, I'm not expecting anything. And when I look at the, um, the reading of the MRI, I start seeing like a partial ACL tear and a potential, um, 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 tear of the root of the meniscus. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be, <laughs> this is not going to be as easy as I, as I thought it would be. And so I go back to the doctor. It's like, yeah, you need to go see an orthopedic surgeon to see. And um, and I, and here, you know, my daughter, she, I guess she plays soccer. And first year of high school, you know, second game or freshman year, she tears her ACL completely. And so like, okay, you know, I'm going to go back to the same surgeon because, you know, it's just, uh, it worked with her, you know. And um, and so basically the, the thing is that from the MRI, he was not positive about the tear of the meniscus. He couldn't see it well from the MRI. So he said, if since you're running the way you are, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable telling you um, to just um, disregard that. And, and just, um, so I think we need to do surgery to, you know, make sure that there's nothing wrong. And if it is, we're going to repair it. And if it's not, you know, you're just going to, you know, it's going to be a lot easier. Um, and so I tried, you know, I, I, within a, you know, within a month of the whole thing, I was able to get surgery. So that was relatively, you know, fast. And it turns out that the meniscus was fine. 
So I had the easier uh, recovery. You know, I could bear weight right away and, and all of that, but I still had to get like, you know, eight weeks of physical therapy and slowly get back uh, to running. But in this whole thing, you know, I'm like, I'm, I was thinking about, you know, my daughter, she had it, you know, worse because, you know, she really needed to, you know, be off of that and not play soccer. So like, if she did it, I can do it. This is a lot easier. I can do it. And so um, but mentally, you know, um, it's it's hard because you see everybody, you know, especially, you know, the day of the Boston Marathon, that was really hard. It was really, really hard. But a lot of people texted me. They knew what I was going through. So it was really uh, and a few people that ran a few miles for me. So that was that was really nice. Um, and then, you know, I was supposed to run a couple of other races. So that's, you know, those moments are, and it was pretty much right after surgery. So when you still don't know what's going to be like, so that was, that was hard. And so again, you know, working on that resiliency, working on the mental aspect. And so um, that was, I feel like, you know, I, I needed to really trust and believe. And it was a roller coaster. I cannot say that it was just easy all the time. Actually, it was like, it's almost like when you actually, they tell you they can start running again, it's almost like, oh, but this sucks because in like 10 minutes, I did three quarters of a mile. <laughs> and then the, the, the PT was like, so what's your usual pace? And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> but anyways, so I, I think that, and again, but when I was finally able to be back running more, you take every single step with a lot of, you know, a very different meaning because you know that, you know, I, I didn't know that I, that I would have been able to be back there you know, and been running again. And I didn't know that I could, you know, set a step on the track again. And so every time now I'm like sweating out on the track now, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I get to do this. Nobody's forcing me. And, <laughs> and I was crying when I couldn't do it. <laughs> when I was, you know, when everybody was racing and I wasn't. So, yeah, we feel like we're the only ones that weren't invited to the party. Like, I know, right? <laughs> you know, it's like the FOMO, the FOMO is real. But yeah, that's a great, great experience. And uh, again, it's just going to make you stronger, more resilient. Um, if you, um, I know your relationship with your coach is um, really good. Um, you guys are doing terrific things together and you have, really have something good going. If you had to pick one thing, just like one thing that he's helped you with, um, that's really helped you really improve as a runner and, you know, continuing as you, you're going to get better. You're going to get faster. You got more to come here as you come out of your um, rehab and you're back running and you're doing workouts and all. But if you had to pick like one thing that he's helped you the most with, what would you say? I would okay. I'm, I'm, it's, it's really hard, but I think that without the mental work, I would not be able to do any, anything else and so that working on the mental aspect of making me almost accept um what I can do because you know having somebody else that can see that in you uh, when again when you were not a runner before right so it's not like I'm trying to get back to times that I ran in high school or in college I just have no idea and so it's it's really hard and 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 so just you know making me grow in the aspect and make me accept you know that I can be a good runner and I can, you know, get even faster even though I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, he has that self-belief and um, ultimate confidence in you that you have more. Um, and, you know, together you guys are going to continue to excel together. Um, how about community service? I like to ask every runner um, something either that you have done in the past or maybe you want to um, think about doing in the future to try to give back in some way. Well, <laughs> There's a couple of, of, you know, aspects and directions. So I, I would, you know, I'm not a coach, um, and I, you know, I, I truly believe that um, girls need role models, and so I'm looking, you know, I, and the right opportunity has not come yet. But in terms of, you know, um, giving back and being a, a good role model for for younger girls, um, even my daughter's experience in in soccer, you know. She had some great coaches. Sometimes it's hard to find a good female role model. Role model. I don't know, and I don't want to generalize, but um, so that's something that I'm looking around and see. You know, is you know something you know out there for me. Um, but the other aspect that's not related to running is more like professional. But in terms of what I what I do, and I'm, I'm you know a big believer in trying to apply what I can do with my work. Uh, in, in community building and, and trying to 
um, find connections and find ways to um, use my expertise and my knowledge um, to make communities better and to make other people's lives better. So I, you know, I have a kind of a unique background because I have a degree in architecture and then I'm a psychologist. Um, but I also have uh, the advantage of having my husband working with technology a lot. So um, lately what I'm what I'm looking at is I'm looking at how to use technology and robots and humanoid robots to, in settings such as, um, you know, individuals with disabilities or um, group homes and try to see how my knowledge and my expertise of people experiences can be the bridge between technology and making their lives better. So that's, and again, it's not necessarily related to running, but it's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about and, um, and something that I'm trying to, to cultivate. Um, and, and applying, um, you know, what, what I do. So, Well, that's exciting. And it doesn't matter if it's running related at all. On the running side, Girls on the Run is a good community thing to look into if you're talking about wanting to um, help girls and um, having them uh, have someone to look up to to model for behavior and getting them involved at a, at a young age is always a good thing. So um, it's been super fun talking to you, Sarah, getting to know you. Um, um, and it's just really been a treat and I would never let a guest go without asking them if they maybe had one last message to leave the run chats audience with, it could be anything at all, just something to share with them. Well, I guess to be open because you never know what life can bring. And, um, if you are not open, you might miss out on something. And, you know, if I, and sometimes it's all about, um, chance encounters and you don't know what's going to come out of that. Um, so be open, always be curious. And um, I think that's what my life in terms of moving and, you know, coming in contact with different cultures and different environments has taught me. I truly believe that there's a reason for everything, you know, whether, you know, I'm like, you know, I have faith. So I think that there's some, you know, God has a little bit of a, <laughs> of a role in that. But um, there is a plan out there and we don't necessarily know whether it's, again, it's, you know, I'm not saying that everybody has to believe what I believe, but um, being open to that and making decisions. And once you make the decision, just do the best that you can with that decision. Don't regret it. And just, you know, um, try to get the best out of it. So um, I guess that's what I would end with. I love it. What a great uh, final message to land it on. Well, we tell all the guests at the end of every episode to keep lacing them up to keep getting out the door. And like the sign says behind me, always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. So many great takeaways in this one. So much to unpack in this episode. Sarah's journey is truly inspiring. And hopefully it will reach people out there that might think, hey, I missed my window. Hey, I'm too late coming into the sport. I never started running in high school or college like Sarah. Maybe I didn't even start till my mid-30s like Sarah. And for some other folks that are out there, maybe even later in life, maybe starting in your 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, we've seen some remarkable performance by Masters runners of late, and I so thoroughly enjoyed this convo with Sarah, learning how she adjusted to living in the U.S., trying to figure out her training, you know, basically coming from a couch to 5K to marathon, running a 306 in her debut. Um, but like most of us, we might hit some amazing results early, but we have to do a deeper dive and figure out what, what's it going to take for long-term success. So I'm so happy Sarah found her coach and they built this great partnership together. Um, and she credits a lot of her success for that. So again, there's so many great lessons in this one. I hope you all enjoy the listen. And uh, please share with your friends, uh, Instagram stories, wherever. And uh, if you um, feel moved by something specific in the episode and you can take a moment to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Sarah and I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, keep grinding, my friends. Keep getting out the door. Keep lacing them up. And always remember to stay in the fight.